This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Troisor, hello, thank you for joining us today on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Well, it's been the perfect countdown for Wrexham this week. Third in the league, second round of the cup, first in the group stages. The Reds are occupying all the podium places and the treble dream is well alive. Naif, we've been up for the cup this week. How are you feeling about it all? Because if you'd asked me a week ago, I wasn't too bothered about cup runs, but now I'm going to be wearing my rosette. I'm going to be getting ready for Wembley. I'm all about the cups now. Who doesn't love cup competitions? I know that people will scoff at. Uh, I was getting some stick from Port Vale fans uh, last night when I was um, questioning some of the decisions in a game that they think we shouldn't even care about. Uh, I've got no time for opposition fans winding us up about competitions that we should and shouldn't care about. Well, should, if we don't care about the competition, why do they bring so many yeah, fans? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, and the FA Cup was brilliant. You know, that Mansfield game, I unfortunately couldn't make it. And I was I was doing Birmingham, uh, Wayne Rooney's Birmingham. And I got back to the station and I was there stood in the station outside a closed Greg's, streaming it on my phone on S4C. And uh, was getting very anxious at the end when it was 2-1. And was it Davis Keeler done? Just flashed one um, just the other side of the post, thankfully. And... You know, what a week it's been in terms of beating Notts County away, beating Mansfield away, fully rotating the team, uh, giving youngsters a chance. Max came in, I thought was brilliant. Dan Davis, maybe we'll get onto him. It was a tough night for him, but again, great experience for him to get in there. And we're through top of the group into the knockout stage, a home game, which means more fans, more fans who can't get to these league games can get to the cup game. So as weeks go, a very good one for Exxon. Really, really enjoyable. I'm I'm on in the same boat as you there. I suppose while we're on FA Cup, Yeovil as well in the next round. I know you can't get too complacent and start dreaming of the third round yet. And Parkey will certainly be telling his players you've not done anything yet. You know, you've won one game. That's that doesn't count for anything. You can't start dreaming of Liverpool or or United. But Yeovil in the next round will certainly be an interesting one, won't it? Obviously Jake Hyde, Jordan Maguire, Drew as well. There's a lot of links there. And again, full circle, there's a whole doc ed- documentary episode this week on Wrexham versus Yeovil as well. So you've got to be feeling slightly confident. Were you surprised then by how strong the team was at Mansfield? Because I was expecting this just to not throw it away, but I was expecting almost the team that played against Port Vale to be that team against Mansfield. I, I, I was surprised. I have to say that I was surprised, but I also think that Parky feels a sense of responsibility that Wrexham's foundations are so embedded within the FA Cup. And we've had so many great FA Cup moments, Birmingham, uh, West Ham, 
chest of you know all these Arsenal obviously and all these great games Coventry last season, and I think we've got we always talk about it, don't we squad depth we can go for these competitions and also I think his justification for playing. Um, Dolby from the start was that Mullen suspension is coming up this weekend against Gillingham and we'll preview that later in the podcast but you know he needs more reps needs more minutes and our people have wanted Jake Bickerstaff to, to play and Dolby really has answered the call of late I think he's been brilliant and we saw it against Notts County we were both really impressed with him there he got rewarded against Mansfield and you have to say in what were horrid conditions at times I mean the ball by the end Jacob Mendy was trying to break away on the counter-attack he was running and the ball Ball wasn't coming with him. Um, so, yeah, Parky went for it and I think he got his reward. Shout out to Dolby, like you said there, because it was only three, four games into the season and we were basically saying he was almost bottom of the pecking order, striker-wise, because he did something similar to what Palmer and Bickerstaff offered, maybe what Fletcher would offer now. And, you know, he, he didn't seem to have a, a clear opportunity and he, he's taken it and fair play to him. He deserves to be in that lineup this weekend and he will be because Mullen's not there, Fletcher's not there either. Uh, I think as well, Nate, what is interesting for me in terms of the cup competitions is these FA Cup games are, of course, tend to be shown on ESPN. I'd be very surprised if the Oval games not moved for TV as well, just so you can get that American audience. And fundamentally, the FA Cup matches are the greatest advertisement we have. We've got the dock, and when you've got so much interest around the club, you then need to go back at back it up in these FA Cup games. So I think that's another element in all of it, why we do take the cup so seriously, because... Each round we progress in gives us an extra opportunity to crack North America. And, you know, the further you get in the competition, the greater the likelihood of playing someone massive, as big as Sheffield United and Coventry were. If you've got Wrexham versus Chelsea, Arsenal, United, prime time UK slot shown in the States as well. I think it just takes the club to a whole new level once again. You have to say when the draw was made for the second round, it was the reaction was in stark contrast to the first round. First round, like I say, we were right in the obits. It was it was over. We were going out. Mansfield hadn't lost at that point, and then they ended up losing in the Carrow Cup to Port Vale, and then ended up losing to us in the FA Cup. And suddenly, um, they're out of two cup competitions, and the season looks drastically different. And for them, they'll go all in on the league, and I'm sure they'll do very well. Um, Nigel Clough's a good manager and they've got good players but they're out of two cup competitions we're through in two in, in terms of the, the Bristol Street Motors one and the FA Cup draws made we get Yeovil get a home game I'm sure they'll be delighted with that less travel and able to spend more time with the families from the players point of view and it's against a team that are in the National League South so a division below where we were And but what I would say which my point was going to be I'm dancing around the houses to get there but second round last season Farnborough at home for a period of that game, I know we go on to win it 4-1. For a period of that game, we were in a game. You know, we were we were really in a game then. And um, I think we came away thinking, Farnborough are actually good. And and, uh, and they're punching up rather than us sort of punching down. And, uh, you know, Yeovil... And that'll work the same way with Yeovil, exactly. won't it? Y- Yeovil will be, almost be in the position that we were last season, that Yeovil are top of the league, winning every week. So they'll feel confident of beating anybody. And it might be Wrexham and we might be heavy favourites. But once again, we have now got that pressure on our shoulders because last season, the FA Cup was an escapism where we could be the underdogs and it was a free hit. And now there's a real pressure on us to to go and beat Yeovil. And the fact there's the, the division between us as well, it's it's a real, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's going to be it's an it's intrigue. Be it's an intriguing one because like you say, they are top of the National League South. I would expect them to win that division. And like you say, Maguire drew and, and hired to be part of that title win 
Um, I did have a joke. I mean, lots of people have heard it, the Jake Hyde interview, but I'm sure that'll get picked up a little bit more um, in the run-up to the second round game at the start of next month. But I did send him a, a message after the draw was made, say, what are the chances? Um, but he promised there would be no kind of Adibayor at uh, Man City against Arsenal. There'd be no kind of running the length of the pitch to knee slide in front of the tech end. So I don't know. He's looking forward to it. I'm sure the Yeovil fans are as well. You know, their last visit to Wrexham was the one on the documentary this week, that 3-0, where Anthony Ford scored that really emotional goal on his comeback. So they'll be eager to make amends. And like you say, Rich, for them, it's a big tie. They will fancy their chances let's be honest if you win every week you're going to fancy your chances like we did and uh, as much as I expect us to get through I'm not so sure it's the gimme that some people on social media were writing that it is no and likewise they will also see it as look we're one win away from a potential trip to Old Trafford or the Etihad so of course they're going to give it their best go and have a free hit against a team who are now two divisions above them so we shall also, see. Also Rich how, how bad is this the second round is so bad isn't it in a sense it just that takes it is such the worst a, yeah, time to go out. It's the worst time to go out and you, you tend to lose some of the fairy tale stories and it just becomes sort of a boring football league competition for for a, for a stage, doesn't it? You've not got the champ. I don't get why they don't stagger it and the championship teams can come in in the second round and then the Premier League teams for the third round. I'm not trying to revolutionise English football too much here, but for me, that would just make more sense that you slowly build up and get increasing chances of, of playing a bigger team. And, and again, I think that sort of points forward as well when you talk about they're trying to, they've they've voted to scrap third and fourth round replays from next season, I believe, haven't they? Because of the European teams. I think, I think that's it. Boo hoo, because yeah. they want to go chase it. Champions League money rather than play Wrexham over two legs. But surely the way around that as well would be European teams maybe enter from the fourth round. So they don't have to go for the third round themselves. Because, if, you know, if you're already playing in Europe, then I think there is an acceptance. You, you probably deserve to go in at the fourth round because, you know, you are a high caliber team. But yeah, I just, I think you and me are very nostalgic for the FA Cup and what it stands for and we don't like seeing change so. in that, that regard. Well, Rich, though, looking at it this way, for being televised in the first round replays and the two televised picks were Horsham against Barnsley, there was that Ismian League against League One and Cray Valley Paper Mills, Ismian League against Charlton Athletic. Both of them got credible draws, uh, incredible draws, I should say. Um, 3-3 Horsham, that was amazing and they brought a, a great number of fans to, to Oakwell. And Cray Valley Paper Mills got a one-all draw with their Greenwich rivals, Charlton, if I can call them that. They get £25,000 by being on TV in a replay. Now, that's dropping the ocean for probably ourselves now or Charlton or Barnsley. That is, you know, chump change. But for Horsham and Cray Valley Paper Mills, that's life-changing amounts of money that will sustain that club for probably the next two or three years. Um, so, yes, do I believe in scrapping replays? No, I don't. Um do I believe in something like I've seen in the later rounds of the Carabao Cup, I think from next season, where it's just one-legged semi-finals? Well, yeah, because that is probably going to be Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United. They already play so many games and they already play against each other so many times that I'm not sure I'm really for um, two-legged semi-finals just in a knockout competition. But do I believe in scrapping replays in the FA Cup? Absolutely not. We got you know, a, a, a trip to Bramall Lane out of that. And we got the infamous Billy Sharp meltdown, you know, taking all these things away would be um, a crime against football, in my opinion. But there you go. It's it's not us, unfortunately, Rich. We are not the lawmakers and the power makers of English football. No, we are not. Uh, the Bristol Street Motors then into the knockout stage of that. A home draw will be coming up. Like you said, we really did 
sort of flex our squad depth once again uh, on Tuesday night. Really impressive that you can make that many changes. Have someone like Will Boyle, who was sold as this, you know, first team starter when he came in playing in what was effectively a reserve match. The quality there on show for for a team that has so many injury problems at the moment as well to still be able to put that team out. Luke McNicholas, what a save he made in the first half, by the way, to to keep us in it. I know we can see it a few minutes later, but God, it's exciting, isn't it? We are we are spoiled. Yeah, I, I, on McNicholas, I I can't help but feel he must be so frustrated with the way things have gone for him in terms of, I don't know what he was told. He probably thought he was coming in as, I mean, did he come in when it was still Foster? I think he did come in when it was still Foster. So he must've been thinking. I think he was sold the vision of being second choice, wasn't he? Right, right. Because now he's uh, he's behind, obviously Howard is the insurance net on the on the bench after a Congo. And McNicholas is this Bristol Street Motors keeper, essentially. And he's not going to play in the FA Cup. And almost, I mean, we don't see a way that Mark Howard's going to play now because Bristol Street Motors seems to be the competition for McNicholas. And he's not involved in the league games. Howard is your insurance policy on the bench for the league games. And Oconquo is your first choice. And quickly on Oconquo, I couldn't believe it. I was on Twitter and I saw an Arsenal fan saying, how's it come to this? How's Oconquo ended up in League Two? And, you know, this is a travesty from our... our our loan department, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I would tell Arsenal fans not to worry about Arthur Oconquo. He's doing just fine with us. But yeah, I, I can't help but feel McNicholas is frustrated with the way it's gone for him. And, and I felt that a lot about last night, Rich, talking about some of the players. You know, like I said, Will Boyle must have been expecting to have been more of a first choice than he's turned out to be. Um, Max, in another situation, would be playing almost every week. He was a brilliant last night with my man of the match last night I'm not sure I'd give a substitute who'd been on 20 minutes man of the match but there we go um Bryce I think must be so frustrated you know didn't make the 22 and noise is growing a little bit louder now from the fan base that is Bryce gonna force his way back in in January we spoke about it with all the injuries Rich what do we do in January with that 22 how do how do we reshuffle it how do we get players in and out um, you know, Fletcher is recovering at the minute. What do we do with him? What do we do with another striker? What do we do with the two defenders that, you know, the agents are saying that Wrexham want? Will Wrexham have people poached in January? That's a question and, and an answer session for another day. Um, but yeah, overall, the positives for me from the Bristol Street Motors selection was Dan Davis rewarded as Aaron James was um, recently against Salford. Dan Davis, a young lad who's had trials at Chelsea and I think Man United, maybe I can't really remember. He had trials at some Premier League clubs. You know, he's highly rated in the academy. Got his first professional deal with the club last season. Um, Luke Young got minutes in there again. You saw his just sublime corner taking. He just his streets ahead of everyone else at the football club. Um, and then you saw Bickerstaff, who I thought again was lively. Just that extra touch, just that lacking of sharpness, Rich. You know where he probably could have taken a shot, didn't. And then you know the other one, the, the downside, I suppose, was. Billy Waters again. I mean, we every time he plays, he barely gets any service. But when he does, he just seems so out of sync and so out of match practice that I really, really feel for him because it just hasn't clicked. And and I hope for his sake that when January rolls round, he can he can secure a move away because he's under contract until twenty twenty five. And I mean, yeah, for his sake and and the club's sake, that can't be allowed to run out until it's expiry. No, yeah, I, I agree with you on, on all of that, really. Like I said, I think that there's a lot of decisions to be made, aren't there? And it's a really interesting makeup of the squad. I think that an, another element, of course, would be Stephen Fletcher's hopeful return from injury ahead of schedule because 
you know, like we said, was it last week or the week before, that they'll get to a stage where you think about like Stephen Fletcher, is he worth keeping in the squad as a luxury to the end of the season for when he comes back? Or do you have to be ruthless and say, look, we need someone right now? I mean, it's going to depend on on where we're up to in the Cups. Uh, personally for you then, are you do you care about the Bristol Street Motors Cup yet? Do you, do you, are you interested in, in the EFL Trophy? Have you got any any well, interest in going? I mean, that's to, what I was gonna I mean say to the you, actual Rich. rules of competition, you can only get League 1 or League, League 2 teams. Yeah. So... Wrexham will be one of the favourites, oddly, probably to go on and, and win this because of the squad depth they've got and the fact that you know they're now into the knockout stages of it. But yeah, do you do you care? Well, I, I was going to say to you, at what point should the the majority really care? Like, do we Semis. say semi final, semi final? Yeah, because, like the FA Trophy. Because we're looking at it now that we are four games away from Wembley. The draw, by the way is at the end of this month. The final round of matches are on the 21st of November. So I would expect a draw around probably the 23rd, 24th, something like that, that Thursday, Friday. Um, Wrexham, as you said, Rich will be at home. I mean, I don't mind. I like cup competitions and nobody was calling it a Mickey Mouse tournament when we won it in 2005. So, you know, what gets me and what I like about the Bristol Street Motors trophy, which isn't a sentence I thought I'd be saying before we logged on here, is that it is giving a lot of families and a lot of young kids the chance to go and watch Wrexham. And so for them to see McLean, for them to see Mullen, James Jones, Luke Young, Jordan Davis last night, it wasn't a million miles away from what you and I see when we go home and away with them. So I was glad that And they, I'd also say as well, I've watched a lot of this tournament from following Man United under-21s. And I can't remember seeing a team sort of play as passionately and as up for it as Wrexham's, like I said, effective reserves on Tuesday night. I've watched Man United under-21s sort of bulldoze Salford. I've watched them thrash Bradford City away. To watch that Wrexham team with so many changes, so many injuries, yes, we've been Mullen and McLean on the end and it does make a difference, but we have just got so much like depth there. And like I said, it's such a good experience for people to get their first taste of a, of a Wrexham game. Fantastic opportunity, cheap ticket prices. Yes, some fans want to boycott the competition, but look, a trip to Wembley would would not go amiss for this Wrexham team. And winning a trophy, playing at Wembley, is a privilege for for any footballer. I, I would just say then as well, Nath, on on the draw, like you said, that is a few weeks away. We'll bring you the reaction to that and, and probably cover it as well once once we know the actual dates for sure. But hypothetically, these groups are not finalised right now. But as you said, Wrexham will play at home in the next round against a Northern runner-up from one of the other groups. So at this moment in time, those teams would be. Wrexham at home to either Burton, Lincoln, Bradford City, Stockport, Wigan, Nottingham Forest under-21s, or Liverpool under-21s. So, you know, there's some interesting ties there. Potentially, like I said, there's lots of movement available in, in a few of the groups anyway, because they only play two games each. But there's some 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 big ones, but also... I'd also sort of counter it by saying there's no real tie there that you'd say, right, we're going, we're definitely going to lose this. It's curious because we've played Wigan at home in a cup competition already. We've played Bradford at home in a cup competition already. Um, for, from a narrative point of view, and Fleur, and it gets into this in the documentary this week, you know, her relationship with her dad and Burton. Burton would be a curious one. I would personally rather avoid the, the under-21s, but again, you would expect Wrexham to sail through those games, if you got either of those, um, I, th- given... I think like a Liverpool and Toy Ones at home would be fascinating though, because they bring so many fans themselves. Yeah, and I think so. It'd be it'd be really interesting. I think, and there's so many Liverpool links, obviously in our squad anyway, and and through the hierarchy of the club, 
I think it would be interesting. Obviously, it's not going to be Wrexham versus Liverpool proper, but I think that would be pretty compelling for for some fans. But like I said, there's, there's so much left to play in there. Yeah. But what I also say, Rich, is the last thirty-two, which is the next round, or they call it round two and round three. They're both regionalized, so realistically, I think from after this this next round, I think it, it is open season. You could end up home or away. But realistically, within the blink of an eye, Wrexham could have a couple of home games, find themselves in the quarterfinals of a cup competition. I, I do wonder, though, with these kind of situations, I was, I was texting some people last night about this. Do you just kind of run through the entire tournament all the way to the final with McNicholas and Clueworth and Hosanna? Or, or do, does it naturally, when it gets to like the semifinals, you start rolling out Mullin, Palmer, Cannon, you know, you kind of... Your toesers, your yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. what we did for the FA Trophy, and when we got to the final against Bromley, I think the quarter final against Notts County, we did we drop Mullin and Palmer for that one. I seem to think off the top of my head, like Dolby yeah, started that it. I remember James Jones right. scored a great goal, maybe off the bench. I think yeah, you basically play a rotated team until you get to the semi final if you've got that luxury, and then you weigh up where you are in other competitions, how much of a priority the the trophy would be then but you know it's all ifs and buts we could get hammered five nil by burton in the next round so let's not get too let's too wait and see but... rich let's wait and see i think we've got i think we've got a good chance i think I, i'm not going to say right now without knowing the draw that we're going to go all the way to the final but i think wrexham can can have a deep run maybe quarters or, or, or semis i think they've got a good chance because again when you've got the luxury of bringing on paul mullen for 20 minutes against a tired defence. I mean, that's... What are we doing here? Do you know what I mean? Speaking of what are we doing here then, Nath? Cop news. Wrexham's bid to have the cop at full capacity when it opens, rather than capped at 4,900 spectators, has been refused by Wrexham Council it is capped due to the need to gather evidence of the impact of potential river pollution and there is no right of appeal. Um, Yeah, what is the latest on this situation then? I mean, that tweet that I put out caused an absolute storm, didn't it? Uh, Everyone was dunking on the council. I am going to just bring the the latest news from today is that, you know, I think think Savills, who are looking after it from the club's point of view, didn't didn't go about it in the right way in the sense that they it wasn't going to work how they were doing it and maybe it should have just been a phone call to the council and what I'd probably also say that the council have learned a very valuable lesson that you know stuff isn't going to get brushed under the carpet and it is going to be global news and this was on Wrexham.com they really summed it up that you know Wrexham council were asked for comment for the original story that appeared in the leader um I think it was done by one of the BBC's local democracy reporters um and they didn't, they didn't respond to comment. But this is what Mark Pritchard, who's council leader, um, said when speaking to Wrexham.com. He put, he didn't think there was anything wrong with the article. And speaking on the COP, he said that, um, what can I say here? We've spoken to the chief exec on it. We have talked to him again this morning. It's important we continue having this excellent partnership with the football club. Personally, this is my opinion. I think it could have been handled better. Sometimes better to pick up the phone and have a conversation. Will it stop the development of the COP? No. Will they achieve what they want on capacity? Absolutely. So I watched a video this week, Rich, by a YouTuber called The Red Horde. I hope I got that right. And he, I think he's a barrister, and he really went through all the documents. So I'll link that video in the description because it it explains it in far more detail than I, you or I ever could. But it, it does seem a bit crazy, doesn't it? I mean, the, the kind of... 
material change, non-material change, um, all this kind of bureaucracy and um, all the all the little nuts and bolts that you need, to, you know, the, the boxes you need to tick. But ultimately, yeah, Wrexham tried to um, get a change made that means they could open at full capacity right now, even when they haven't even started building the COP. And that was refused based on they didn't go about it in the right way. So I think it was a lot of cross wires, bit of a storm in the teacup, uh, in a teacup. But I don't know. It it set our phones alight anyway when people realised that story that the uh, the bid had been refused. Yeah, it's a fluid situation in more ways than one, isn't it? I think, <laughs> right, the, uh, right. The cop at the moment in time, and like I said, we will keep you updated as uh, much Rich, as we can. And... Rich, I like the people that were saying. Um, because people were obviously talking about 600 people can't go to the toilet and then people volunteering themselves that they promised that they wouldn't go to the toilet or they would take a bottle with them, um, provided the cat was off, obviously, because you're not allowed to take cats into uh, interstate. Yeah, there'll so be ways all around good, it. All good fun, all good fun. But yeah, as for the cop, I think, look, there's so we, we haven't even broken ground yet in the sense of, I know we've demolished it, but you know nothing's started going up yet. So let's just pump the brakes on that. And uh, valuable lesson, I think, for the football club and for the council. Yeah, and I'd also say I think it is a reflection of how big Wrexham are these days that things like that are seen as a fault. I mean, I know, you know, the, the fact that Wrexham's problems now are we might not be able to have a full capacity cop. Look, this estate the stand's been derelict for so long now. We just need some movement on it. You know, it, from my personal point of view, even if it did open with a slightly restricted capacity, what a good situation that's to be in. You know, that is something we could only have dreamed of a few years ago. So it is about taking small steps in the right direction. And, you know, hopefully it all gets resolved anyway for, for, on that front. I don't want to labour the point and I don't want to cause an absolute bleep storm, basically. But there was some chat this week and I'm just curious because I like reading different opinions on stuff. Even if I don't agree with it, I like reading it. And some people were saying, you know what, is it is the eventual situation going to be that Wrexham need a new stadium and need to build one from scratch somewhere else within, I don't know, uh, within two miles of the current race course site. I'm not really, in, I'm not in favour, I'm not really, I'm not in favour of uh, getting rid of the race course and going somewhere else because it's, I mean, it's part of the story, the oldest international football stadium in the world and and all that sort of stuff. But what do you think? Do you think there'd be an appetite if, if Robin Ryan came out and said, look, here's a, here are these glitzy plans for a new stadium? Do you think many people would buy into that? I think that, again, this would sort of polarise supporters in terms of maybe, to use the European Super League phrase, legacy supporters and people who are, who are new a part of it. Because ultimately, if you built a new stadium, and you know, in my day-to-day job, I've, got, I've seen this divide with Man United fans because there's plans right now for Old Trafford to be renovated they are either going to rebuild Old Trafford from scratch or renovate it. And I've seen arguments on both. One is, you know, you can't get too sentimental and stuck in the past of what it's been. Arsenal have moved from their stadium, the Emirates, you know, the hybrid to the Emirates. It's not the same, but the Emirates is now their home. Tottenham's new stadium, you know, is now their home. Um, from Man United's point of view, anyway, uh, I know that Richard Arnold, the... Uh, is he the CEO technically? I think that's his title now. He He's privately sort of admitted that the concerns with Man United building a new stadium is they think that these big bowls, the Emirates, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, okay, I know Wrexham aren't going to have one of those, but they think that they age really badly and really quickly and they become soulless after 10 years or whatever. They're really hard because they've got no charm and they've not got much about them. So from United's point of view, they would they would prefer to renovate what they've already got. And I think if you've got the space to do so, that is always the better option because you build upon what's already there. And I do get that Wrexham could start from scratch and they could make a really ultra-modern stadium that suits their new newer fans and can give you 
better parking spaces, can give you your beer walls, can give you your cheese. What is it? Tottenham have a cheese factory or something? There's like a <laughs> something like there's that. Like a, there's like, like a that. dairy in it's their something stadium, like that. But we don't need that. What we just need is more seats, really, in the stadium because there's so much demand for Wrexham. And I suppose the limit there is you've got the Mold Road on one side, you've then got university grounds encompassing it on the others. The quadrants are difficult to to build in, you know, because there's different different issues with them. So I suppose the ultimate question is how far do you see this club going? Do you see us getting to a stage where we need to have 25, 30,000 seats? Or do you think we can go all the way a la Bournemouth, a sort of Luton, where you keep the charm of an old stadium and you don't have to build just for the sake of it? From my personal point of view, I despise the thought of us having a York City rebuild with a bloody Hollywood bowl as you pretty much drinks, you know. Yeah, that's dreadful. a disaster. I, that, that's a disaster. Yeah, I, I hate, I, I tend to say on record, I absolutely hate new build stadiums. But then you also look at what having a new stadium and a stadium that they own did for, I know it's not the same, but like for Brighton, you know, having the Amex, it's well out of town now, harder to get to. But a huge part of Brighton's success as a football club and their rise for the divisions has been having a stadium that matches their ambitions. So I think it ultimately comes back to, to where you see Wrexham being in the long long term. I, I think you can get to the Prem if Bournemouth can get to the Premier League with um what is it what's that called? Dean Core or one of the names of the Vitality or something like that. Um whatever it's called now, Dean Core, I know it as. But um if they can get to to the Premier League with their ground and Brentford I know Brentford is, is new but it's not huge. Wrexham by capacity would have no problem, I don't think. Um and they'll always as long as the documentary cameras are rolling. There'll always be huge demand, but I do think they'll reach a point where attendances will plateau if we're in League One for five or six years, or you know we're struggling in the Championship, or whatever the case may be. Um, and it's a whole debate for another day about whether we actually want to get into the Premier League and whether that is um, kind of the end of this community club and it'll become this big thing that maybe we don't want it to be. Um, as for the new stadium, I don't know. It'd be very, very funny if we had a cheese factory like Tottenham um, or a dairy, whatever it is. I don't know. I need to go look that up later. But um, no, I think the major, I think the majority wouldn't be interested in that right now, and I, we won't sort of draw on about it too much more. But it was interesting because I, I do always look at these artist impressions, Rich, and what I'd love to see an artist impression of the current race course and really what could be its end state. Like how much realistically could the race course be be redeveloped? I know Rob was showing the Queen's Consort plans that we never actually saw. We only saw the back view of, the, of those kind of big pieces of um, card that he was showing. It looked like they were pointing to uh, the lager stand, the ale stand of, of what they could do with that. Do you add another tier onto that? I don't know. Um, tech end, what can you do with that? Does tech end eventually become the away end? If you obviously keep increasing the capacity and you need to give 10%. So the stadium in the next few years could look drastically different it could change massively in terms of who is where in the ground so yeah if, if anyone's a stadium designer or knows how to do that i'd love to see what you think the race course could become in terms of a 20 thousand 25 thousand whatever you can turn it into really yeah i suppose it's worth as even maybe you and me putting a post out this week or in the weeks coming saying what do you think of it would you are you team renovate or rebuild really because there are two sort of trades of thought but I would say that you know when you're investing this much money in a new stand I don't think there's any suggestion that you'd then be looking to knock down the stadium yeah, together. We're, we're on team we're on team renovate we're on team renovate we're on team renovate team renovate that's what we've done to the club since they've taken taken charge really so we shall see and like we said I think it's a 
a discussion for the sake of a discussion rather than it being anything serious in, in the weeks ahead. So Rich, Phil Parkinson, I, I, I put in the run order this week, I did want to make special mention for him and it was on the back, I mean there's many things we can praise Parkinson for, we doubted him at Notts County away, we almost doubted him heading into the Mansfield game before we saw the team and and it constantly he's facing barrage of criticism from rival fans about it's easy, the job he's got is easy, he's got more money than everyone else, it's super easy, easy, easy and it's far from it, it really is far from it and he handles himself with such class and professionalism and he's he's almost anti hollywood which is the best which is a compliment in my opinion um because he he's he's the perfect fit for us in that he he doesn't really get swept up i don't think he cares too much about you know being in the documentary or i, I yeah, really he's just not he didn't take over Exxon to become a celebrity did he no i don't think he's sort of like bought into the hype too much and i think that's a great thing for the players in the dressing room and this week, I don't know if you were there, but there was a Northern Writers Association dinner. Is that right? The Northern Football Writers no, dinner? Yeah, the Northern Football Writers. So I was actually at, at Distant Pod Live in Wrexham where uh, Mr. Humphrey Carr spoke. What was that like? And it was brilliant. I mean, anyone who listens to Distant Pod will know exactly what it would have been like. Um, some very questionable clips being shown uh, in William Aston Hall. But yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, Humphrey, as always, was very charismatic welcoming lovely and and funny and yeah he, he lifted a little, little bit on the search for Wrexham how he got involved into actually you know choosing them as the club in the first place um he, he mentioned that you know they looked at Carlisle Hartlepool Aldershot as well I'd never heard the Aldershot links before I think he genuinely said the reason they looked at Aldershot was because they were out first in the alphabet in the National League which is as good a reason as any to, to try and contemplate uh investing in Aldershot but of course as any Wrexham fan will know by now, it was the same old story of he had his different sort of categories of ranking a club and Wrexham came out on top across all those categories. So that was interesting. That was nice. But as he said, yes, yeah, Sunday evening, some of us were at a distant pod of Humphrey. Phil Parkey sat on a table of Eric Ten Hag. I think Paul Heckingbottom was there as well, interestingly enough, and Vincent Company. So interested to know if Parkey and Paul had any chats about that uh, FA Cup run last season. Yeah, I'd love to know. I don't know if the words Billy and Sharp came up, but who knows? I'm sure it was a great evening. And I almost wish, Rich, that Parkinson wasn't speaking too much to Eric Ten Hag because we don't need our tactics being compromised, I don't think. Um, but there we go, in jest. But this is what Parkinson had to say because he went up. Every manager that was there gave a speech. Ten Hag, I believe, gave a speech. I don't know about Heckenbottom, but lots of the managers were giving speeches, one of which was Phil Parkinson. And this is what he said to those in the room. And every promotion or title or cup you win as a manager is hard. It's really, really, really tough. It's tight dividing lines all the time. And you need really good people alongside you. <clears throat> and with the glitz and the glamour of the Hollywood owners, um, you know, that's great. But Rob and Ryan are really genuine people. Honestly, they've been so supportive to me and Steve Park, and I'm sure Steve will back me up on that. Not only financially, if we need to get a player in, but also moral support every time they come over or we've had a bad result. We got beat five minutes stop for a few months ago. The first text they got was Rob McElhenney, Phil, we're right behind you, we're right with you. And that means as much as being supported financially. Equally, um, no manager, can ever be successful without a great staff behind them. 
and Steve Parkin, who's uh, with, with us tonight, assistant manager, we've worked together for a long time, um, has been outstanding support for me uh, in the last 10 years that he was in that department. But, but you know, last year we, we've had a, we had a great journey together at Wrexham. Steve, Dave Jones, Aidan Davison, all the medical staff have, have been outstanding, outstanding. And no manager should ever kid themselves that you are so good that you're going to go in and you're going to be successful without a really, really good support team. You need good people, you need good family with you. My daughter's here tonight over there, Abby, she's working here tonight. But you need a good family with you, but a good support team is so important. And finally, I'd just like to um, congratulate Notts County as well, because you know I think ourselves in Notts County put the National League on the map last year with an extraordinary uh, title uh, challenge and we fought tooth and nail against each other, we really did and great credit to, to Luke and his team as well and we were delighted when they finally got promotion as well. But uh, thank you very much for the award, appreciate it, thank you. So Rich, it's so much kind of class uh, and, and we've seen this and this is, you know, some I know aren't a fan of it, there is this sort of deference and um you know desire to praise Notts County and to be so deferential to them and their success as well from the owners and the manager I just thought it was class that he revealed in there about how McElhenney texted him to say after the Stockport defeat the 5-0 defeat we believe in you we're right behind you and it is it's a it's a total support network and the owners we've got I think second to none and the manager we've got I think is right now for us second to none yeah, I think he's the perfect fit, like you said there, that just gives us that sort of balance in the chaos that happens at the club and all the, just the wild Hollywood side of it all. You've then got this down-to-earth northerner who just keeps everyone grounded, who takes care of the football things, who has proven time and time again that he knows better than all of us. He, he gets the team right, he signs the right players, his tactics have been questioned, but he always comes good. He won the league playing Parkiola football at times and with a record point tally. He is just the perfect fit for, for this football club. And I love him. I absolutely love Phil Parkinson. He's he's like a god at this moment in time. And, you know, there's been so many questions asked about him. And I think when he first took over, you know, we used to, as a fan base, we were so starved of success. We would idolise people who perhaps didn't deserve it. It would be... Sam Ricketts' red and white army. We'd be fist bumping with Gary Mills after two wins at the start of a season. With Parkey, he's had to earn that love. It's been a tough love. We've not just showered him with affection because, you know, he's the he's the new guy in charge. We've been cynical. We've questioned him. We've wondered if he should be doing much better with the football, uh, with the budget he's he's been given. And he has slowly won us all over. And time after time, he proves us wrong. So, yeah, like I said, long term, there's got to be questions about how far his methods of football can go up the Football League. But right now, I cannot think of a better man for the job than Phil Parkinson. And it's an honour to have him in charge. And yeah, he cares deeply about him. And I think lots of Rex fans care, care deeply for, for, for Phil Parkinson now. Yeah, lots and lots of love for Phil Parkinson. Let us know um, your thoughts on Mr. Super, Phil Parkinson. You can get in touch, robryanred at gmail.com or robryanred across all the socials. Right, I'll move things on then, Rich, because we're midway through the women's season, back in the Adran Premier. First time in the Adran Premier, is it even? And had a 16-year-old in goal, goal, Chloe Ankers. She was in Team of the Week. 
Wrexham are second in the table ahead of Swansea City, uh, only behind Cardiff City, who we lost to at home, our only defeat through seven games. Now, you and I are not experts on the women's team and we don't pretend to be, but one friend of the pod is, that is Megan. And here is my conversation with Megan on how things have been going for Wrexham women. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, regular listeners will know Megan's been on many times, uh, our guru, our expert on women's football. Um, thanks for coming back on. We're at the midway point of the season now in the Adran Premier. It only doesn't seem too long ago we were talking about you being at Britain Ferry and watching Wrexham get promoted that day. Midway point, Wrexham a second, only behind Cardiff, who, you know, when you came on pre-season, were saying that they are the, the team to beat for obvious reasons. They, they go unbeaten and they've won championships and won leagues. Um, firstly, what's your initial impression of, of Wrexham then? Because seven games in, they're second above expectation, about what you thought, worse. I mean, not worse, I'm sure. but <laughs> I'd like to say that they're keeping with my expectation, but they've actually completely blown my expectations away. When I came onto this podcast, as I was saying what my expectations were, I knew that I was sort of inflating them a little bit. Like I kept saying, yeah, Wrexham will get top four, but there's this little voice in my head that was like, this actually could be a really difficult test for them. And they've just taken to the top flight so well that 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 game against Swansea on it was a three three draw. Swansea kind of showed that that little bit of that upper Premier Table medal about them when they got the goal back at the end. But I, Wrexham have just surprised people. I think they've surprised themselves to be honest. Because going into this season, there was a lot of very sort of tempered emotions going in from the club itself. But yeah, they they're on sixteen points. They're three points behind Cardiff. They're in second. They're second in the table at the moment. Um, they've played seven games. They've got seven more before the league splits into two. But at this moment, it looks like Wrexham are going to be able to be in the top four when the league does split. So relegation will not be a concern for them if they keep up their momentum and they keep up their form. But I mean, they've they've been really impressive. Yeah, I mean, looking at last season, you can definitely speak to whether the standard's gone up, but TNS and Ponzi Preed were fourth and fifth. They got 17 points. And that was fourth and fifth, and so you know that was at the at the split point. I mean, Wrexham have only lost to Cardiff, and that was a that did feel like a, a welcome to the league moment. You know, this this is kind of the level they need to broach, and really we'll we'll learn a lot more, I think, about this team in the next two games. What is it? Cardiff City away, Swansea away, Swansea first, and then Cardiff. I mean, they are probably the toughest two away games in the league. Yeah, hands down, they're the toughest. Going away to Swansea especially is really tough. Um, Wrexham have now made it way tougher for themselves because Rosie Hughes will not play in that game, which is we can come on to that a little bit later. But that is going to be, I mean, talk about a test. It was already a test. Now it's going to be a test without sort of your best player on the pitch. So yeah, Wrexham have a, a big challenge ahead. But even if they can go into that match and show that they can play even like remotely to their standard without Rosie on the pitch, that's going to give so much confidence to everyone in that team. So I think that's where Wrexham have to go into that Swansea game, thinking about it. Against Cardiff, I'm not sure if anyone watched the Cardiff game when Cardiff did come up to Wrexham to play. It was very comprehensive from Cardiff, but it also showed like that is the standard. Like if you want to win this league, you've got to play to Cardiff standard. And they they were on it that game. I'll give Cardiff credit. Um, so I think for Wrexham, 
just trying to close that gap a little bit, trying to get on the ball a little bit more, trying to test the keeper a little bit more. It did feel like there was a little bit of like kind of frantic chaos with Wrexham, you know, just sort of trying to keep up with Cardiff. Whereas I'd like to see them maybe go a little bit toe to toe with them at some points. It can't, it's not going to be the whole game, but yeah, just showing that they have closed the gap to them. I think that's going to be their goal for, for that game. Yeah, I think it was Fionn Price or somebody like that for Cardiff that was just really, you know, really, really impressive. And then her brother decided to go on Twitter and uh, bait a load of Wrexham fans, which was a sign that, you know, Wrexham have come and arrived and are winding um, Cardiff up, which is very good. But, you know, you've been to the Rock a few times. And if I'm looking at the schedule now, you know, they've got to go and win the games. Don't get me wrong. There's there's no, you know, pushover teams. But going to the Rock, they've still got Pontypreed, Barrytown, Aberystwyth and Cardiff met. I mean, those are four winnable games, you know, between now and the split. If we say that the away games are, are really tough and Wrexham, as, as much as we'd love them to go 7-0, and probably won't do that. But those are four very winnable, you know, home games there. Yeah, and four games that they've already won away too. So I think for them, for Wrexham, they, if they don't get four points from those four games, I do think that they're going to look at that as a disappointment and there's not, you can't really get around that. What they did to Cardiff Met last weekend was fantastic. I didn't expect 3-0. It was a really good second half showing. Rosie Hughes, again, was like kind of pivotal to two of the three goals. So again, we'll go into that a little bit later, but they, um, I mean, Braxton beat Barrytown 5-1, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, they've they've shown that they're capable of not only defeating teams, but doing it to a very, very high degree. So, yeah, in those four games, if they can't get wins or, you know, take points off of Swansea or Cardiff, going into those four games, not only winning, but doing it to the degree that they have been doing, I think that's going to be paramount. I mean, the elephant in the room is no Rosie Hughes and she was lauded, you know, reaching 100 goals, amazing achievement in less than 50 games. 3-0 up against Cardiff Met, sent off. Um, in a word, frustrating. But what, what, what did you think of that? Because it was, from our perspective, from a fan's perspective, needless, I'd say. Yeah, and it was atypical of um, of Rosie. Like, I would never consider her someone who would sort of rashly go in on a tackle 94th minute while already on a yellow card. Like, that's so not in keeping with her character. And I just think it was one of those mental lapses that happens. She's, you know, maybe certain that she's going to get the tackle right. She's timed it right. And for whatever reason, she hasn't. And, I mean, it's going to be a learning curve. It just feels like she didn't need that learning curve. Um, so, so yeah, but for Wrexham, you know, they've 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 now had a few days to get over that and they're going to have to find a way to beat Swansea without Rosie on the pitch, which when Swansea came to came to Wrexham to start the season, Rosie was paramount to that game. Like she she was so key in kind of just keeping keeping Wrexham ticking over, being kind of like their fulcrum when it came to to any sort of attack. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough one for them. I think when I mean, we spoke about the signings that have been made. I think Karen Allen's made a massive difference at the back in terms of just adding that leadership. And and again, for all the leadership we're talking about with Hannah and uh, with um, Karen Allen and uh, Hannah Kerikopoulos and all those that had come in, it was a 16-year-old in gold that's just ended up in Team of the Week. Um, remind me, Chloe Anchors. Chloe Anchors. Chloe, Chloe Anchors. I mean, you know, from the under-19 setup, from a production point of view, from someone like Gemma who spend so much time coaching these these women and these younger players I mean what an achievement for her with Del Morgan you know out of yeah. action 
Yeah, this is testament to what Gemma has done at Wrexham and just completely revamped the entire system. Because, you know, people can say all they want. Oh, Wrexham are the big guns. They've got Hollywood money, so they can just go and grab whatever the players that they're doing. But Chloe is sort of the the an epitomizing factor of what Gemma is attempting to do with Wrexham in terms of she's trying to build from the ground up. She's trying to make sure that Wrexham are producing youth, that they are the place that footballers with any sort of ambition go to from North Wales or all around Wales. And that's where Wrexham want to be. They want to be that sort of that place, that factory where, where footballers come out of. And, and Chloe Anchors is, is testament to that. So kudos to Gemma. Like I, I can't imagine just like how proud she must have been to see Chloe, not only like make her debut, but keep a clean sheet against a team like Cardiff Met. I mean, that's going to do like eons of confidence for Chloe. So yeah, I mean, Del Morgan, we all know just how fantastic she is, but to have someone who can kind of like be that second lieutenant, that's going to be super important. Yeah, that, that was great to see for for the whole football club, you know, when you see a young player get into team of the week, I guess. And look, you said it, you on a Wrexham podcast and you're always slightly going to try and big Wrexham up. But being honest with your expert opinion, can Wrexham pip one of the South Wales to second place? Or do you think third place would just be unbelievable and that, you know, snap the hand off for that right now? I, I think second place is 100% within, like, yeah, within the distance for Wrexham. I don't think I would have said that at all in the beginning of this season, but what they did against Swansea at the Rock, I was so blown away by that. And that was the first game. That was sort of, that was their, yeah, that was the first time they ever going to get into this league. And so I think after having seven games, they've grown into it. They now kind of see how it all works. They've gotten a taste for it. So I think they've grown in maturity and education the problem is, is that, you know, Swansea and Cardiff are, they, they're big. They're the giants of this league and they know how to win leagues. I mean, I, can't, I think Swansea's got six titles, Cardiff have two, Cardiff obviously defending their, their title. So, you know, they know exactly what needs to happen towards the back end of the season. So I do think Wrexham can, can get second. I think first is going to be a huge ask. And if they do, there's going to be a lot of celebrations. But I, I think that might just be a little too much. But who knows? When when the league splits, it becomes those four teams competing against each other. And points will be taken off each other. And Wrexham could emerge on top. So never say never. So two-parter question. So we get to the split after we've got another seven games. We're already seven games through. Like we said, we've got at least four very winnable home games there. Wrexham will be in good shape going into the split. And then how does it work? So there'll be, we're going to guess and say it's probably going to be Cardiff, Swansea, Wrexham, and let's say TNS or something like that, do you yeah. think? TNS. Yeah, okay, I'd so say TNS or Cardiff Met, somehow one of them will do so, it. So those four four teams that, that go into the split, is it then just a almost a round robin home and away on each of those yeah. teams? Yeah, so home and away, round robin. Um, they'll play seven more games, 14th, they'll split, four down at the bottom, we'll try to avoid relegation and then yeah it'll be a round robin to see who gets the top spot and it's frustrating from a women's football perspective because the top spot is the only one where you achieve anything of note so um I'm not sure people back home in the states I had to like go through wikipedia to understand this and I still don't totally grasp it but there's a thing called club coefficients and this is sort of how UEFA decide how many teams are allowed to go into the qualifying stages for the Champions League. Um, in the women's game currently in Europe, there's only the Women's Champions League. So there's no Europa League. There's there's nothing else. Um, there's a lot of conversations about whether that's going to change anytime soon. 
I think it will, but that's a whole other sort of basket of eggs to get into. So Wales's club coefficient at the moment is 41st, which is um it's bad. It's not great. Like it's 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 not very good. But that means that only the top spot from Wales's top league is going to be able to go into any sort of Champions League qualification. Um, I from my top of my head, Wales have never made it into the qualifying rounds. Um, or anywhere near the group stages. So that's kind of why Wales are ranked so low. Um, and it's unfortunate because it would be really nice to see multiple Welsh teams getting a crack at Europe, but at the moment it is only one of them. So yeah, if Wrexham gets second, that's amazing. But unfortunately, they don't get a spot in Europe. That is sad news. That is that is a dour yeah. <laughs> news. That is, that is a sad news. But I'm looking at Cardiff. They, you know, Two parts. So they did get into. They got into Europe. They ended up on a little trip to Lithuania, where they played FC Gintra and lost two nil. Um, and I think they lost to Shelburne after that as well. Cardiff and Swansea. What What have you made of them? Because obviously we're looking at Wrexham. How Wrexham getting on? But have Cardiff or Swan? Have Cardiff been better than you thought, or at a consistent level? Have Swansea been a little bit worse than you thought they would be? How, how have you read those two teams? So Cardiff are much better than I thought they were going to be. I thought there was going to be a little bit of a hangover. I thought with them, especially losing Phoebe Poole, I thought there might be a little bit of a lapse in creativity, but they've just sort of grown from last season. The way they play is really exciting too. Um, Ian Derbyshire is the manager and he's just done so, so well with that squad in terms of conditioning them, playing a particular style, keeping to that style. Um, some people can call it stubbornness, but that's the way that they play and that's that's sort of their ethos and they've kept to it and it's, it is really pretty to see. And if people watch the 3-0 loss that Wrexham had to them, they'll, they can see like how lethal that style can be. Um, Swansea, I think, are just exactly where I thought they were going to be. They lost a lot of key players. Um, they didn't do that well last season. Um, some players are still trying to come off back from injury. So they were always going to be in kind of a weird, like, litmus state, if you will. Um, so now they're sort of, they're getting better. Um, and I still think that Swansea are going to be Wrexham's biggest rivals in terms of that second place box. I think Swansea will continue to build on for the rest of the season and they'll just kind of lean back on that, that, um, that history that they've had. Whereas Wrexham, this is the time to maybe sort of step out of that comfort zone and be like, wow, let's try to really push the boundaries here. So yeah, it'll be really interesting between the two of them, but I, the way Cardiff are playing at the moment, I, I think they've got the league kind of wrapped up. And, and lastly, the last question from me is, is, is Wrexham looks set to have an amazing debut season in, in, in the Adran Premier. And, you know, that will bring a lot of attention to the players and the documentary is bringing a lot of attention to the players. I know these girls are on semi-professional contracts. They have other jobs. But is there a is there potential for some of Wrexham's players to be poached, to be watched and kind of picked up? Or do you think that... Wrexham have got this group that they can add to and build with because that's the, always the thing. If anyone's successful and they're a little bit smaller, they end up yeah. getting poached elsewhere, you know? Yeah, I I actually asked a friend of mine this recently when we were watching a game and I said, like, oh, what's going to happen? Because um, it, it's funny, like, the women's game's never really been as hyper-focused on the transfer market in the same way as the men's, but there was a lot of movement this summer between Cardiff Met, between Swansea, between TNS. Like, there was a lot of movement. Um, but... For me, like what Wrexham have managed to sort of cultivate in terms of like a culture, a team environment, it, it's second to none. It really is something special. And I think they've also sort of fostered the sense of us versus them. Like when you're here, you are genuinely like you are part of the club. And 
I think it'd be really difficult for someone to come in and poach. Also, I don't think Cardiff and Swansea can say we've got a documentary that's that we're sort of touting along with us, which is going to be a boon for whatever player comes through those doors. And and what's happening at Wrexham, just as a club in general, is so exciting that it would take a huge, huge offer to sort of pry a player away from that. Now, whether or not teams from other leagues come in for players, that is 100% of potential. Um, Phoebe Poole, who I mentioned, she was an amazing player for Cardiff City last season. She's now gone on to Shelton Town for, um, in the English League. So like that's there's always that possibility. But I do think Rex and what they've managed to do with that team, it's really special. It's, it's very tight-knit, and it's going to be tough to sort of break that up. So there you go, Rich. Our European hopes might take a few more years yet. Only top spot getting a European adventure. Now, as I said in that chat there, Cardiff City women did get a little trip to Lithuania. I mean, Wrexham away in Lithuania. I've never been. I'm not planning to go just yet. But if Wrexham ever do get there, probably with the women's team, I will be booking my flight to Lithuania. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely love to to be heading there myself. It's... Yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic job they're doing. And like I said, I think you've got to temper expectations somewhat because it is their first season there. And with Wrexham, there's this dare to dream mentality now where nothing's out of the question because why not? Why not Wrexham? And same on the women's side of things. A European slot eventually will, will do his favours. But, you know, I think just even just enhancing the quality of that league, making it a real challenge for for most likely for Cardiff this season to try to try and win it. And... You know, you just hope that even from even if Wrexham don't, you know, win the league, that Cardiff can go further and hopefully boost that coefficient in the years to come. So, look, you do get two or three European slots on the women's side of, of the game as well, and that Wrexham can have a, a better avenue of, of getting into Europe. But, you know, for as far as a first season goes, in a top division with such a wild rebuild, but still keeping a nucleus of players who got you there in the first place, Hats off to them. What an incredible achievement it is. And it's been a successful season no matter what happens next. But they won't be resting on their laurels at all. Absolutely not. Look, second or third, second would be incredible, you know, to, to split up. Top four would be incredible. Top four would be incredible. Second would be out of this world. Third, I think, is firmly there for them. They've got was it, seven games remaining before the split. And then they've got, I think, four of those seven are at home. They've still got to go away to Cardiff. Still got to go away to Swansea this weekend. And that'll be without Rosie Hughes after her, was it 94th minute red card? Um, which is a crying shame, but there we go. Um, but the women's team, yeah, all the love to Gemma and, and the staff, Steve Dale and all they're doing. They are doing a wonderful job and they've got their flowers in the documentary uh, in season two, which is coming to an end. Only one more episode left on that one, Rich. But yeah, women, um, you are doing the club proud. So Naif? Next up in the league, Gillingham at home for Wrexham this weekend. No Paul Mullen, he's suspended. No James McLean, he's suspended. A plethora of injuries as well. We talked about how Tuesday night proved we've got this squad depth. Now we've got to go and prove it in a league game because ultimately Paul Mullen and James McLean are still sort of a a cut above, aren't they? And we saw that on Tuesday night when they came on, just how good they are. Yeah. What do you think for Jim Lincoln this weekend then? Do you see it as a potential banana skin or are you still confident that 
that we can go and, and get three points even without some of our best players. It's funny, actually, at the start of the season, I had a couple of Gillingham fans in work that were saying, you know, Wrexham were going to end up in you the You seem mud. to work with a... It seems uh, like you work with one mem- one fan from every member of the EFL. We have we have lots of different fans in in the office. Uh, I have actually two Gillingham fans that work in the office, and they were all both joking that you know Gillingham. Uh, they were sort of scoffing at me, saying we were going to get top three, and Gillingham are going to sort of show Wrexham up, and we've got all this grand budget. Ever since then, they've sacked Neil Harris. They've got Stephen Clements in charge. They lost to Fulham under twenty ones in the Bristol Street Motors flurry of texts last night saying that you know we can't create chances and um you know they've had johnny williams they had that whole thing where they scuppered bradford's deal for johnny williams they don't score many goals they didn't concede many what was the start of the season they had, they were top with five goals scored or something crazy yeah um, i think five one nils in a row they had didn't they and of course they it. were also i think heading into this new season they were the most inform league two team since january i believe or since they had this takeover so yeah, they they have been one similar to Mansfield in a way. One of those teams that historically, maybe this calendar year, have just been churning out results under the radar somewhat. Yeah, what I think, I think look, we're at home. The owners will be on us to put in a big display. I'm not sure what Dolby and Palmer will look like as a pair. I'm intrigued to see that. But you know, when you've got Elliot Lee in your team and you've got. So I don't know who else will play in midfield. Probably George Evans will be there. Gorgeous George will be in there. He was on the bench last night. Um, a lot of players that will be fresh. And what I think is we'll just have too much for Gillingham. I just think Gillingham are in a real state of flux with Clements coming in. They're trying to find an identity, a philosophy that they want to buy into. And their season is at risk of unraveling. So we'll see. Um, I'm just curious, Rich, because that's what Parkinson switched to when he made the subs. Will we see that 4-1-2-1-2 again this season? Will we see James McLean up top in a front two? Because it, it caught him by surprise. I think it caught many of the supporters by surprise, but clearly something Parkinson wanted to look at. And given we've spoken at length about concerns for McLean defensively and how well Mendy's been playing, I do wonder if if that is a plan, not just for a one-off, but actually something that could be a plan B. Um, yeah, the end of the season. I th- yeah, I think it's certainly something that we've had. To, we have to give s- strong consideration to, and like you said, I think we've always wanted to have the option of a, a viable second plan, a plan B. I know, and like we said, if your plan A is strong enough, you don't need a plan B. But I do think there's certain games where if the personnel aren't there, or you get an injury, or you're forced into a change, or even against different opposition that having a, a change of formation up your sleeve can really work wonders. And yeah, the, the early signs are promising. Maybe it was a hint towards this weekend. I don't think it would be because it wasn't the same personnel per se. But yeah, interesting and certainly shows that Parkey isn't as stuck in this three-five-two mantra as some of us maybe think he is. But yeah, like I said, I think we should have enough this weekend. I'm feeling, feeling positive. And I do think, just to counterbalance it, even if we didn't win, I'm not too bothered. I still think we're going to be right up there come the end of the campaign. There'll be some annoying drop points in the coming weeks because that always happens, particularly around the fe- festive period. But yeah, I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling really optimistic. We'll have players coming back from suspension, from injury. We're flying. We're flying. Bring on the treble, Nath. Bring on the treble. <laughs> we we are flying. But let me throw it over then to a chat I had with Gillingham fan Luke, who filled me in on the mood down at Priestfield.
Right then, Gillingham this weekend for Wrexham. Now, I can pretend that I know everything about Gillingham. I absolutely do not. I work with two people who know or say they know a lot about them, but I've decided to ignore those people that I work with, and I've gone to Luke, who is uh, an avid follower of the Jills and knows everything that's going on at Priestfield. Luke, thanks for coming on. Firstly, what a weird season for you, because you were flying high, a couple of games in, Neil Harris in charge. He's gone. New boss in can't really score a lot of goals and dropped out of the playoff places. What's gone on? Yeah, so, well, firstly, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a, a tale of two halves, as, as so they say. Firstly, going into the second half now under Stephen Clements, obviously, we started well. Um, in my opinion, we were still papering over a lot of cracks, even though we were kind of grinding out then 1-0 results. I think it was four back-to-back, which says top of the league um and then after the crew game um lost losing 2-0 obviously Neil Harris was relieved of his duties which I was obviously part I'm part of the Germans Jill's channel um is that I was calling for, for for Neil to go if I'm being completely honest um he was you know towards the back end of last season and especially in 2023 I think we were right in saying we were second in the points tally um, had a really, really good record at home, but I think defeats to Colchester, um, Grimsby, and then to Crew was his final kind of now in the coffin where he had a great plan A, but apart from that, plan B was very, very elusive and, and we seemed to, to lose our way somewhat. Looking at the division, you know, nobody in League Two has scored fewer goals than yep. Gillingham's 14. I mean, Harrogate we were expecting, myself and Rich were expecting to be one of the strugglers, potentially relegated. They've got 15. Given the talent you've got, because you've, you know, you've got a side that on paper is much stronger than others. Why are you creating so few, why are you creating so few chances? Why are you scoring so few goals? Yeah, I think in the summer, obviously it was widely linked that we was in for Alfie May. Um, I think we've always struggled, especially under Neil Harris, when you look under the stats that when we went 1-0 down, we very rarely got back into the game and, and, and I don't think the record, the, the stat is that we didn't, uh, especially away from home, after going 1-0 down, we didn't win a game of football um, in what nearly, yeah, which was is, is a shocking tactic and as I mentioned, that we we don't seem to have much of a plan B under Neil. Um, we have got attacking players, we've got the likes of Johnny Williams who, if you look back to last season for Swindon, um, 10 goals, plenty of assists. Um, it doesn't seem to be the player that, that, that has rocked up at Priestfield, um, whether that's being because he's been played out wide and not in that number 10 role is a question to be asked. Um, we've also got the likes, again, like Tom Nichols, who, again, finished the season very, very strongly last season, can't score this season. Um, we've got Jaden Clark, who is coming from non-league, and then Connor Mahoney, but... We don't really seem to have a way of playing at the moment. And this is obviously where Stephen Clements has come in. And I think from the first 45 minutes at Hereford last weekend, you can see the type of football that he wants to play. Um, no long ball, um, very fast-flowing, attacking football. Whether we're to see that within 90 minutes against Wrexham is going to be a very tall order. Um, but that's the style of football that he wants to play. Um, we just can't create enough clear-cut chances in games. And when we are creating these clear-cut chances. People like Macaulay Bond can't put the ball into the net. 
Um, and that's been the moral of the story, if I'm being honest. We can't put the ball into the net. I mean, I mean, the, the facts that are speaking for themselves. Macaulay Bond, though, is a, a high calibre. When we saw that move, you're thinking, right, Gillingham, who since the takeover, last season, maybe we'll touch on that in a second, that you really did take off. I mean, you finished, what, 17th in the end, but that, sa- that saved you, really, it felt like, that takeover. You go and get Macaulay Bond, you're in for Alfie May. On paper, it's looking pretty yeah. good. Gillingham are going to be right up there. They're going to be one of the teams. I mean, it's early days with Clements, but what he's saying, what you saw at Hereford, are you looking at, do you think a drastic change in, or do you think this is just a season of let's just see how we get on mid table? Well, I think you wouldn't have sat Neil Harris if you didn't want to get promoted out of the league, out of league two when we was where it was in our league position. Um, we weren't doing badly, it was just a lot of fans like myself were calling for this fast line attacking football. And you know, when you're getting screams of attack, attack from the terraces, um, that obviously puts the pressure on. Um, on paper, like I say, we have got a good team. I don't, I still believe that. Clements has had to come in and the, and the target has got to be promotion. Otherwise, you wouldn't have sacked Harris. It doesn't make sense. It should be another season wasted, just like last year. Obviously, fair play, we got taken over. Um, but there has to be some type of aim and objective. One out of second, Neil Harris, and two of appointing someone of the elk of Steve Clements, which is what we're, over the next couple of months, going to see. I don't think we have the right players to play. I think that's a bit harsh, actually. But I think we, we, we're a few players off to play the type of football Steve Clements is going to want to play. We need we need an out-and-out goal scorer and we haven't really got anyone that plays in that number 10 role that can play in between the lines and and, and create them clear-cut chances. We don't have that. Um, and if you're going to have, if the way he wants to play football, um, he's going to need that type of player. It's November now and we're speaking, so a long way to go. Is, and you'll know better than us in League 2 how quickly a couple of results yeah. can shoot you at the table. You've played crew. You've played Mansfield, you've played Notts County, you've played Wrexham this weekend. Obviously, it's been poor. You've sat the manager, or he wasn't even doing badly. But do you realistically think you stack up against those kind of teams that are up there right now? I mean, look at Notts County. We beat them, and yeah. you'll be coming to Wrexham as if you think you're promotion contenders. Wrexham is a is a great test, I would yeah. think, for you guys. I think, and as, as much as it pains me to say this, I think under Neil Harris, I think we would have beat Notts County. Um, I think Mansfield. Obviously, there was a massive refereeing farce that uh, led to their equalising goal. But for the second half of, of, of that game, Mansfield did dominate. And um, Crew, again, I think we, yeah, we had again a lot, a lot of chances, but couldn't put the ball into the back of the net. So I don't think we're far off. I think with the changes that have made with Clements coming in, it's going to take time for this new philosophy of football to to to, to come into place and how quickly that takes effect. I don't think... I, I think we'll be lucky to get into the playoffs this year, if I'm being completely honest. After the changes that have made and where we are now, if we go big in January, potentially, if you look at many years ago, Bristol Rovers under Joey Barton, um, we're nine if we bottom of the league and then they got promoted. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be a challenge. What are your thoughts on Wrexham coming up is there a kind of resentment there a jealousy a kind of you want desperate for it to fail I mean obviously a lot of fan base and we take it with a pinch of salt yeah. it doesn't really matter to us but you know what what's what's the verdict I mean the dog doesn't no, like the dog us doesn't so like I mean yeah. that's, the dog yeah, does yeah. not like us um, <laughs> yeah. but what do you think of the, of the whole Wrexham situation story? Um, obviously it's a hint of jealousy isn't it but we've we've also got our own American billionaire uh, so, so if, I think if we were still under the leadership of Paul Scully, there'd probably be even more resentment. But uh, I think everybody wants to beat beat Wrexham because 
it is the is the Hollywood show. Um, you know, you, you've got some fantastic, fantastic players, even with the injuries and suspensions that you've got this season. You've still got Ollie Palmer, who's going to be leading the line that scored 25 goals last year, um, where we kind of, our top goal scorer isn't even above three or four. Um, so I think it's uh, it, it's resentment on one part, but you can't argue with what the guys have done there. It's, uh, it is, uh, you know, they've done extremely well. And um, even their first year, 18 months, was a challenge for you guys as well, trying to get out of the National League for the first time. Um but yeah, it's uh, we, I would like to see us give you a give you a good idea, but I think that's everybody in League Two. <laughs> well, I, I think I think you're not alone in that. Um, talk to us a bit about your ownership then, because it did look like you were heading in only one direction yeah. before the ownership. You're seeing a league now where you've got Stockport willing to spend the money, Wrexham obviously willing to spend the money. Not, I mean, they've just gone and signed Dan Gosling until January. That's you pulling that out of the backside is unbelievable. Ex Premier League, Gillingham's ownership then because. A lot of our listeners might not know, or viewers might not know, what's the situation with with your owner? Yeah, so um, obviously we've been looked after, put that word loosely, by a man called Paul Scally up until Christmas last year. Who the less said, the better. If I'm being completely honest, because uh, yeah, it, it was one of them ones where the club was kind of been bled dry. Um, there was no investment. Um, kind of as you can see from our transfer window last summer, and uh, some was gone the summer before. Um, we we were bargain shopping. We was right in the basement where we was kind of a lot of loans. I think we, we used all six loans in the summer transfer window um, and we were scraping around. Like Lewis Walker, is, he, he played quite well last night, but we're getting after players that scored five goals in their career. Um, obviously, he'd been up, Paul, had, Paul Scully had been trying to sell for the club for a while, trying to get some investment in. And then in December, the news broke that Brad and Shannon Gallinson um, had bought a majority share in the club. American billionaires from Florida made their money in property investment um, and brought a new lease of life into the club, if I'm being completely honest. It's very much like Wrexham. Um, it was kind of a fairy tale that these guys have pumped in this money and we actually bought players for the first time in God knows how many years. Um, we obviously pitched up, pitched up at Mansfield bought Ollie Hawkins and George Lapsley off of them. And we released a, a, um, a release of contract fee um, in Tim Dieng from Exeter, which hadn't happened in God knows how many years. And um, they're all about the community, very much like Rob and Ryan. Um, they're trying to guild and build this club and put it into the right direction. And they're fantastic people. I've been lucky enough to meet Brad and Shannon a few times um, through the work that we do with our channels in Gillingham. Um, and they're just really, really nice people that want to drive the club into the right direction. And they spent a lot of money in January. We had over 11 players that were bought in via either free transfers or paid for fees. Um, and they, like I say, we, we were staring into the, the, the abyss of, of, of National League football. And I don't think without Brad and Shannon, we wouldn't have a club today. Wow. Um, well, big, you know, high praise Definitely. indeed for, for those two. I guess before we get on to the, the, the Wrexham game, talk to us a bit about your affiliation with Gillingham, the channels you work on, where people can... Because obviously for a lot of people who listen to us, yeah. it's all Wrexham, yeah, yeah, Wrexham, yeah. Wrexham, which is normal. But there are a lot of people that we get uh, interested in other teams and getting to know other yeah. teams. So if they wanted to get to know Gillingham a bit more, what's your affiliation? What's your channel and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, so I work on with uh, Reese. Um, and Adam and uh, Kieran on the German Jills channel. Um, Reese is a uh, Gillingham born and bred, but has moved to uh, Germany, um, hence the German Jills, um, which he 
reviews the game um, from the comfort of his home live and, and does kind of fan reaction. I work as part of that as um, I do a Luke's 11 each week, um, which kind of predicts the 11. Um, don't get too many right, but I give my opinions on what we, what we think we should be, um, what that 11 should be. And I've also worked with closely with um, Jill's in the Blood. I was with Jill's in the Blood last night, Matt. Um, and previously to that, obviously, I've worked with the guys at ME7 podcast as well. All three of us do a really good job. We all do things, do things very, very differently. Um, and we complement each other quite well, we think. Um, so, yeah, if you ever want to check out my my 11 and it comes out on a Saturday morning, you can see how terribly wrong I am or on, on the off chance I've got 11 out of 11. But, yeah, it's just a brief kind of two-minute video. I'll just give a bit of background to, to kind of last week's performance, what we could expect going into the, to the game. So I'll have one coming out on, on Saturday morning to, to preview uh, the Wrexham game. And, um, yeah, we, we, we do some good work. Nice. Well, look, there you go. People can check that out. I'm sure I'll link it in the various descriptions. Um, and we'll be intrigued, you know, we'll be intrigued to see the 11 yeah. that Gillian will got because on paper, on the day, Macaulay Bond, Johnny Williams and various others in there that are good players yeah, and will score goals. But, but Rex, some trepidation on your part. I mean, you did text me last night saying, I'm a little bit worried here. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried. Last night, I, I put a tweet out last night saying that I'm, I'm more than happy to see this fast-flowing attacking football that Brad um, wants to see, but I've got some slight concerns that potentially we don't have the players to, to support that. It's just that, as I've, as I've touched on, we, we just don't create enough clear cut chances. And when we do get the chances at the minute, we can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net, like I say, um, which, is, which, is, which scares me, especially with our away form. It's still an issue. It still needs to be resolved. And under Clements, will that change? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, because, you know, if you, I suppose if I'm trying to offer you an olive branch, which I have no idea from a Wrexham perspective why I am, but I would say that Milton Keane, MK Dons went there and scored five. Yeah. Swindon have gone there and scored five. You know, they haven't always looked yeah. so defensively secure, Wrexham. They will score goals, and, and, and that's a test. But, you know, you did start the season with a lot of 1-0, yeah. 1-0, 1-0. So you have proven you can get shutouts in there. And I think one thing that we can put some, you know, light on and, and that we've done quite well and our defensive record is is quite good as well um especially towards the start of the season with um Shadoji who we bought from Leighton Orient who's been an absolute revelation at our club he is incredible um and obviously got Connor Masterson as well who will probably be the two centre-back pairing this weekend alongside Scott Malone who's got plenty of Premier League and Championship experience and Che Alexander again who's got plenty of League Two experience so our back four doesn't worry me um, we are defensively sound um, when we're on the ball. Obviously, as you can imagine, when Neil Harris departed, there was a few wobbles because he had some really close affiliations with some of them players, um, especially through Millwall. Um, but yeah, defensively, I think we're all right. It's just the other end of the pitch that, that, that worries me. There you go then. Prediction for the game? Win, draw, lose? I'm not sure. I'm going to go for a score draw. I'd like to say score you've got, draw. you know, Marley and Fletcher... Uh, McLean are all out. However, you've still got Elliot Lee, Sam Dolby, and Ollie Palmer. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Ollie, pa Ollie Palmer, your fourth choice striker. Um, I'd have him, have him here at a heartbeat. I was gonna say, I don't think he'd appreciate being called the fourth choice <laughs> striker, but I'm sure. But I'm, I'm, I'm sure that he, I'm sure if he listens to that, he'll be, he'll be firing yeah. now. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with 
uh, a 2-1 win. I think Elliot Lee is on fire. We've got 10 goals this season. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the more he scores, the more eyeballs are on yeah. him um, come January, which is a scary thought indeed. But definitely check out Jim and Jill's and all the good stuff that they're doing um, over there with Luke. And Luke, really appreciates okay. it. And all the best. I can say all the best for the rest of the season. Not all the best on Saturday, I'm afraid. And Jay. So, Rich, as you can see, they're slightly worried, as many teams will be coming to Wrexham this season. But like you say, I'm with you. Bring on the treble. A quadruple's died. That dream has died for another season. No Carabao Cup to speak of. But the treble is very much on. And, uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. This is a great point in the season, Rich. And also, also, I'm at a point where I'm just watching football and, yeah, okay, I'm getting frustrated with a little bit, but I'm enjoying it and I'm stress-free for the large part feels like it's not yeah, so all or nothing, you know. It's just fun. It's just really fun being a Wrexham fan right now. And yeah, I'd rather win the treble this season because then next season we're going to win the quadruple. Right. I don't want just. I don't want. I don't want to complete football now because what's the point then? So yeah, let's give ourselves some stuff to build towards. You know, maybe we should even get knocked out of a cup competition just so we can win the treble in a few years' time when it matters a, a little bit more. But yeah, it's been great and it's been really fun. And once again, thank you to you, Nate. Thank you to you, uh, wherever you are in the world, for listening to Rob Brian Red, the Wrexham podcast. Brought to you in association with Red Tent People Development. Thank you once again to Wrexham-based band Hypnotic. It's their music, the stings that we use in the pod. And yeah, like we said, thank you so much to you listening. Without you, the pod wouldn't be possible anymore. Please leave a like, a rate if you haven't already. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We're looking to grow there. And yeah, tell a friend, tell another Wrexham supporter about the work we're doing. We'd love to have more of you on board. But that's all for this week. Take care, and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got butt for double dipping and you steal a last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.